Welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, as always. And we are going to start with some data on just how hot this housing market is. And I want to say, like, how hot the housing market is. Then you could say, how hot is it? But I'm going to give you an idea. This, this will explain just how insane the housing market is right now. Nearly six thousand homes in the United States have sold for a hundred thousand dollars plus over asking so far in 2022 this according to the latest data from Redfin so once again I just want to say this again nearly six thousand homes five thousand nine hundred eighty seven have sold for a price that was $100,000 or more over what it was listed at. Now, I don't know. Maybe you could say they all just had really bad realtors that did not know what homes were in that market. Okay, maybe, maybe you could make that argument. Or is the housing market just that crazy? But here's what's nuts. So last year, 2,241 homes had sold at $100,000 or more over asking. That's a crazy number in itself, but the fact that we were almost three times that number, this is what, March 8th, and we're talking about almost 6,000 homes so far this year have sold for $100,000 or more over their asking price. I don't know. That's probably a sign of a hot housing market. Now, not surprisingly, where do you think most of these houses are where it's happening. Los Angeles, of course. The Los Angeles metro area led the way with 718 homes selling for at least 100,000 over asking. And that is up, I mean, pretty significantly from 273 last year. So once again, we're talking about almost three times what was happening at the same time last year. LA was followed by Oakland, San Jose, Seattle, and Anaheim, and what is that top five almost all having? Well, first of all, they're all in the West. That's a given. But four out of the five are from California. I think like seven out of the top 10 were in California as well. So that does make sense. Uh, and just a reminder, January was the most competitive month on record with 70% of home offers written by Redfin agents facing bidding wars. So yes. It's a very hot housing market, no doubt about that. And I'm sure that the ultra-competitive LA market has nothing to do with the recent revelation we talked about here on the podcast. This is also from Redfin that showed that the average homeowner was staying in their house about 13.2 years down slightly from the year prior. But the Los Angeles metro area was 36 percent above that average at 18 years so it means the average homeowner in los angeles has been in their home for 18 years thank you proposition 13 we've talked about prop 13 that basically is a law in california that once you buy a home you are not as influenced by what is happening with property tax rates as someone buying a new home so the longer you stay in the home the lower your tax rate is going to be. In fact, I think 
I was reading an article about this. Warren Buffett, for example, has pointed out that the taxes that he pays on his California home, even though it's worth more than another property he owns, he pays less property tax because he's had it for so long. And because of the way Prop 13 works, it keeps his taxes low. Now, I'm not someone that wants people to pay more taxes. I want to make that very clear. But it does create a situation where you disincentivize people to move out of their home. And what does that do? It keeps that cycle of inventory that we talk about all the time. People go entry, mid, you know, dream home, and then start downsizing. It really messes that whole thing up. So the cycle kind of starts getting clogged up and then eventually it just stops. And you have that, of course, with the fact that they're not building any homes in California because of regulations and red tape have made it so difficult to do. And remember, California... The NIMBY culture finally reached a breaking point last year. I think it was last year or 2020 where they finally passed a new law that said that they could build new homes on places where let's say there's a single family home that they could go in there and maybe build two or three townhouses or some other kind of multifamily units, assuming they get the permission to do so as a way to kind of get more inventory out there. So even California has reached a breaking point with regards to nimbyism, but it's going to take a while. And as it stands right now, I mean, this is why you're seeing that stat in mostly, we, we all know the West has the highest median and average home price. And of course, California and some of these markets, it's obviously the worst. So yeah, I mean, it makes sense that that's where you're going to see that because when you're talking about homes that are in the millions of dollars, $100,000 over ask, might be equivalent to, let's say, you know, $20,000 over ask in a more normalized market. So that's one of the distortions that's caused, but this is being caused by the California housing market that discourages builders, it discourages moving, and right now it's discouraging a lot of people from living there. So that's another reason why you're seeing some of these problems. So it's good to see California moving forward but one of the reasons they are is because of a lot of these problems. Now, this is an overall housing market situation, but California is really a just textbook example of what can happen when you do not have enough inventory, record high costs, and then on top of it, just insane bidding wars. <laughs> I just can't imagine seeing a home price and being like, yeah, let's, let's go. We're going to go $100,000 over that ask. Well, that's, that's what we're going to be doing going forward. Now, when you're talking about home prices skyrocketing, which, of course, they are, as we know, going back up, possibly even eclipsing levels that we saw last summer, what does that mean? Well, it means that people are sitting on a lot of equity. And so what does that mean? Not a lot of delinquencies. Not a lot of delinquencies. In fact, a record low when it comes to delinquencies. And I, I got to tell you, I feel kind of bad for a lot of those crash bros out there, the people who were projecting and predicting that the housing market was going to crash in the early 2020s. And listen, I, I, I get it. In the early part of the pandemic, I understood the concern. There's a lot of concern out there. And in fact, that's why the Fed made the decision that it made to buy mortgage-backed securities. They were very concerned about the housing market. Record high unemployment. People not being able to pay their mortgages. Concerned. But after a while, when all of a sudden we went from, oh, no, things are we're going to see 2008 all over again to, oh, things are normalizing to, oh, my gosh, we have a hot housing market. 
they never adjusted. <laughs> they just, they dug their feet in and were like, no, 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 no. We're going to keep saying that the housing market is going to crash. And it just got dumber and dumber. So much so that, where was it yesterday that we were talking about? Oh, Altos. Altos Research is now saying we're not going to see a normalization of the housing market till 2023. <laughs> and this is a great example of why that prediction is probably true. So people are building equity in their homes, which means if they're in a situation where they can't pay their mortgage anymore, let's say they are one of the few people who has permanently lost their job and can't find a new one, even though we are going to be getting the job openings reports. And I have a feeling it's and the projections are it's going to be close to 11 million again. So let's say you're in a situation where you can't find an equivalent job to pay your mortgage. You're going to sell it. <laughs> you're going to sell it and get way more than you paid for. I don't care. Even if you bought it last month, you're going to be able to get more than what you paid for it. And so you're unlikely to find yourself in a foreclosure situation. And that is why in December of 2021, 3.3% of mortgages were delinquent by at least 30 days or more, including foreclosures. Now this is down 2.4 percentage points from December 2020. So this is a massive drop. I mean, we're talking a, I mean, almost cut it in half from where they were. And even better news is delinquencies fell in every single category. I'm not going to read them all. Uh, but of course, you can get the article on the website, marketsandmortgages.com, where it looks at anywhere from 30 to 59 days to 120 plus, but they fell in every single category and foreclosures, which were already low, fell 0.1% or I should say 0.1 percentage points to now 0.2%. (laughs) Crazy low number. And also good news, all states posted annual decreases in their overall delinquency rates in December 2021, as the employment picture, of course, has improved across the country. Louisiana has the highest rate, unfortunately, at 6.7%, followed by Mississippi and New York. On the flip side, Idaho has the lowest rate at 1.7%, followed by South Dakota, Utah, and Montana, all at 1.9%. So even though we haven't seen the price growth in the Midwest, like we've seen with regards to uh, or the Midwest, and I should say the West that we have in, say, the Northeast and the South, they're still doing okay (laughs) with regards to being concerned about delinquencies. Now, record homeowner equity, along with record growth and, of course, a tight labor market equals exactly what we're saying falling delinquency rates. So like I said, sorry, Crash Bros. It's not going to happen for you. Not this year. I don't know, maybe 2023, maybe 24. Now, of course, if these geopolitical events wreak havoc on our economy and the global economy, who knows? So I don't think anyone should be rooting for that. But the idea that there's any fundamental problem with our housing market no, it's not there. Not even close. No. And we, we talked about that yesterday with regards to the cash out refis and people are getting worried about that. But if you look at it where the credit scores are, how much equity actually still remains, even with the cash outs, it's just it's it's not 
2018 or 2008, excuse me, not even close. All right, we're going to wrap things up. And as we always like to do, give you a little preview of what's going to be happening today with regards to data, mortgage demand. We get it every Wednesday, mortgage rates. And I'm going to be very interested to see what's happening with both. I'm assuming demand has going to go up because people yesterday or yesterday, Last week, we're hearing that rates were dropping. And after weeks of hearing rates moving up, it may have incentivized them to think about getting a mortgage and maybe looked at uh, putting forward the info, getting an application started. So we may have seen demand tick up in rates. Well, it's anyone's bet (laughs) because last week was a lot of craziness. So it depends on which day was more heavily weighted in that survey. Job openings, that's unchanged or supposed to be unchanged at 10.9 million. So many job openings out there. And then there's one other stat that's coming out at 11 a.m. I'm very fascinated to see because it is for February. And the conflict did start at the end of February. Russian inflation rate. I'm just interested to see what that number is going to be. I mean, it's probably not going to be accurate, right? Because it comes from the government, but I mean, the ruble has just collapsed. And so I'm assuming the date is probably from earlier in the month. And uh, even if it wasn't, that's the data they would use because no way Putin's going to want to be like, yeah, the inflation rate in Russia is a thousand percent right now. So, but I am interested to see what that number is. All right, you guys enjoy your Wednesday. We'll be back here. Thursday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. 